Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institute's Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. Today's episode is part three in a mini-series of episodes focused on our business partner members and how they are marketing themselves in the new virtual world we've all existed in since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. We're talking with various business partner members about best practices for marketing in a virtual world, how to make the best of virtual events, and how to make connections and new contacts without the in-person networking events that we were so dependent on in the time known as BC before COVID. These are important questions to think about since we are a relationship-driven industry. The natural challenges of meeting new people is exacerbated by the challenges of 2020. So today's focus is on how to use social media for marketing. I have and three outreach. very special guests with me today for this podcast. Nicole Scarrow with CIT Bank, who is currently the vice president of our CAI chapter board of directors. Sean McCabe with SurfPro of Upper Bucks, who is the chair of our business partners council, and Anne Yanarella with National Contractors, who is the chair of the CAI Awards Committee. Welcome. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your companies, and we'll start with Nicole. Great. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And uh, yes, so I work for CIT Bank. I am a vice president, regional account executive. I handle New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. And we are a financial institution that handles solely community associations, or at least our division does. And we provide lending, lockbox, and investment services uh, solely to community associations and property management companies. Great, thank you, Nicole. And uh, Sean. Tony, thanks again for having me back. I do enjoy these sessions and looking forward to another one, especially with Nicole and Ann. Does it get any better than that? No, it doesn't, it doesn't. So I'm with ServPro. We are a cleaning and restoration company. We specialize in fire, water, mold, biohazard cleaning. Um, and we'd like to stress, especially with CAI, that we are an education provider. And uh, we love to be in the classroom on both, uh, you know, learning and teaching what we do and what we know. So thanks again for the uh, invite. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Sean and Anne. Hi, everyone. Uh, Anne Yanarella. I am the Director of Marketing and Business Development of National Contractors. Our firm has been in business nearly 30 years. We are members of multiple CAI chapters, and we service New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland. We specialize in exteriors. We are recognized among the top 2% through the GAF Master Elite Program, and also uh, a member of their President's Club, which is the highest honor that you can achieve. We also do windows, doors, siding, um, water infiltration, and many other specialties, primarily focusing on exteriors. So thank you, and we're very happy to be here. Well, thank you all. So as I mentioned in the uh, introduction, we have been doing a series of podcasts on marketing in the new virtual world that we've all been existing in for the last eight or nine or so months and will be in for the next probably four to five months and maybe longer. 
maybe longer by choice, even when things do get back to normal, I think virtual is still going to be a part of what we all do moving forward. So uh, today's topic is embracing social media and how to use that as a marketing tool and a virtual marketing tool. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Um, Sean, you want to want to weigh in? Absolutely. Um, just first of all, I was not a fan of social media by any stretch. Um, really, 2016, 2017 is when I, I kind of figured out that I needed to go in and go all in probably. And that's, that's what I did. And that's what we did as a company. Um, and, you know, we've embraced it in 2020. We just saw that it's probably as important or more important than ever. And it could be a standalone thing, but it can also be, you know, parallel with live events. Um, but the, our, what we try to do is what we emphasize to everybody within our company is to be engaged, be active, be visible and tell our story, you know, build our reputation by what we do, whether that's live or virtual, whatever we're doing, take that information and go, you know, share it with the world through whatever channels you use. We focus mostly on, well, for me, I focus mostly Facebook for personal and LinkedIn for professional, but within our company, we have the Instagram and probably plenty of other things as well. Um, and we use the directory services, which a lot of those are free. So Google My Business, Yelp, Nextdoor, there's a ton of those directories where you can take whatever, whatever information you're sharing on a social site like LinkedIn or uh, Facebook, and you can share that through directory services too for free. So for me, that's what this whole thing's about. And obviously with Nicole and Ann, both very active um, and we kind of all I think share that, you know, passion for it because we think it is very beneficial to building our reputation, building our brand, as well as the brands that we own and or work for. So uh, engaged, active, visible, and tell our story. That's it for me. Like, that's what we do. So you're, you're all, um, all of your roles within your organizations are marketing, business development focused. How have you used social media since the pandemic began, are, are, are you, uh, let me rephrase that. Are you doing things differently on social media now than you did say a year ago? Absolutely. I, I mean, I can definitely say similar to Sean prior to COVID, I, I really was not a fan of social media. I actually had somebody else in the company take on the social media role because I, I just, I don't, it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, but with everybody feeling secluded and being separated and being part of a role where you're usually interacting with people face-to-face, -face, you had to find the ways to be able to interact um, and still get people engaged, as Sean was saying, and get them active. So um, trying to think outside of the box and put out posts that maybe you would have just reshared posts before, but maybe putting ones where you tag somebody and ask them to think about something and put in some sort of comment um, to, to get others to be engaged in that post too. I never would have given that much thought to a post pre-COVID. So it, it's definitely changed the way that I look at every post that I do or every like and every share as well. Well, to, to build upon uh, what Nicole and Sean have added, I can say that for us um, in 2020 in particular, we have done a lot of social media, uh, primarily for us, it's been through LinkedIn. That's where we seem to garner the most success and, and interaction. Um, but 
really uh, the social media aspect of it for anyone who's not using it, it really is the opportunity to uh, really build a wider reach with your brand and possibly introduce people who don't know who you are. Um, and like Nicole said, tagging someone with permission, I would like to add that with permission. <laughs> it's, it's always a good idea first. Um, but uh, sharing content, liking content, and trying to really engage your audience will make a huge difference. Um, I think it's really just like anything, no matter what you're doing, whether you're building membership um, or trying to, to build your brand and create new clients or let your clients know that you're still out there. Um, it all depends on how trustworthy you are and how reliable you are. So I think once you commit to being active on social media, you really have to be active. You have to be responsive in um, a reasonable amount of time. Someone asks you a question. Um, I think that's, that's really important, um, but the results can really boost your business a lot. And I think just the three of us here are very supportive of each other's organizations. And I think uh, as a chapter in whole, if we all do that, we can really help each other out tremendously. Something else too, it was really interesting when, when all this COVID stuff broke out, we used to look at the trends. When were people likely going to be on social media? It would have been like Monday mornings and Thursday evenings. And you try to time your posts so that it would like a theme. And then a bunch of articles were out that time on social media had increased substantially everybody found themselves at home. So it kind of opened up the door to be able to post at any time if it just moved you at that moment. And you see people liking or responding to posts at all different times of the day, which I think are interesting. It opened up the entire week and the weekend as opposed to when it used to just be a Monday through Friday thing. Yeah, interesting point there, Nicole, especially weekends because um, we've seen in our, our national organization, the CI headquarters um, has been sending regular emails on weekends, specifically the homeowners. Um, and so if we, you know, we want to relate this podcast back to this, the CAI audience. I don't know that this is a COVID thing or if this is just a, a general thing, you know, homeowners, they're home on the weekend. They probably work during the week. And so is that a better, that's probably a better time to try to catch them. And we're looking at that too. The other thing I'll say is since the onset of COVID, we have seen, uh, and this is not necessarily social media related, but I think it's important uh, in terms of the virtual aspect of the whole world these days, we've seen email open rates skyrocket in the spring and summer because people were in front of their computers or their mobile devices so much more than they were when they were leaving their house to go out to eat or to, to go out to a movie or wherever we were all going before March. And so that was a real interesting opportunity um, to get people to actually, you know, email, email open rates have been going down for years and it's all moved now to mobile and it's all moved to social media and um, digital advertising that you place on, on mobile web pages and all that stuff. And then to suddenly see email rates skyrocket and our website visits skyrocketed over the summer traffic we've never seen before, which was a really good development for us because it meant we're, we're getting in front of more people and developing a bigger audience. But that's the, one of the questions I want to ask is, 
again, specific to the community association audience, how do your three organizations find that audience on social media? I'll say that for us, honestly, I probably the answer really is we we put out there what we put out there and we don't know necessarily for sure if it's getting to the right audience, but we're just regular with posting and regular with telling our story. I think the most important piece of this, you know, we talked about engagement activity visible, but once we had the whole company kind of embrace the tell your story and I use it the example this way, if I heard Tony Campisi and Nicole Scarra talking about Sean McCabe, Mike McGorry and Surpro, what would I want to hear? And, you know, I'm pretty proud of, of our company and our team. And I would hope I would hear positive things if I overheard a conversation between the two of you. And once everybody embraced that, you know, that's what we use to tell the story. You know, Robin, maybe at first was like, well, what do you mean? And now she's like, oh yeah, we got to, you know, there's our story changes every day. So that to us is the key. Now we get it out there and, you know, once it's in the social world, who knows where it'll go. So Unfortunately, that's probably not the greatest answer to your question, but I do have to say like for us, it's frequency, just do what we do and tell our story. And if it, you know, we hope it lands in the right hands. Um, certainly being connected, like Ann mentioned, we all support each other. And, you know, by posting something and having Nicole Scarrow, Tony and Ann like it and share it, you know, it is getting to the audience that we, we want to get to, but we're not as diligent as maybe some people are about the, the destination. We just want to make sure that we're continually and constantly, consistently telling our story. I think too, it's a matter of being connected to the people to begin with. So that's an active role on whoever the poster is to make sure that you're actually going out there and connecting, that you're doing the research. If you're follow companies, I follow national contractors, I follow CAI and I follow Zerpro. And I also follow a lot of um, other banks in the industry, whether they're specific to my industry or just banking, anything financial, anything community association related, different chapters. Um, I connect to as many people that are connected to the, or linked to those companies as possible because you just never know what you're going to see or who you're going to meet that is going to be a connection. I think sometimes it's not the direct contact, it's the second or third person related to that sometimes ends up being one of the best contacts that you can make too. So I agree with uh, Nicole and Sean, um, and I do the same thing in addition to following everyone here. I also follow um, the roofing industry and, and you know vendors for my business as well, uh, because then you can reach a broader audience. But one thing I really try to be specific on in my post are I think of my audience and who I am trying to reach. So if I do post an article, um, will have value with my direct audience and who I'm trying to to reach out to. If I post something about, um, you know, winterizing your roof or, or something like that, I know that that's going to benefit not only my target audience, but, but you know, the audience at large. So I do try to keep it um, on point in that regard um, and just have those deeper conversations with anyone who, who may ask a question or interact. Tony, if I could add to just thought of this as, you know, as we're talking through this, but we have a pretty strong focus on first responders. We support them. Um, that's, you know, that's the business that we're in and we make money doing what we do. And it's a great way for us to give back to something that makes a lot of sense. And one thing we found several years ago was that the first responder, the fire department specifically, their websites were somewhat antiquated and you 
you know, not great current information, but if you went to their Facebook, you would find really good relevant information. So in terms of finding the audience, um, you know, we could go to the Quaker Town Fire Department's website and not see good information. But when we went to their Facebook page, we found out that they're having a hoagie sale this weekend and we could support that. So I think once you're out there in the social world and you start navigating through it, you're going to find, you know, depending on what your product or service is and what you're, who you're trying to reach, there are some, I guess, tricks or just the overall awareness. Once you're out there, you might find some strategies um, that you can use. And for us, that's probably one of the biggest ones we found was, uh, you know, go to a fire department's Facebook page, not to their website. And the information is current and a lot, there's a lot of it out there. So it was, it really helped us with our strategy on, on that specific uh, category. I'm curious, how much time do you spend planning your posts and, and how far in advance do you do it? Is it, is it like spur of the moment or do you say, here's, here's my month's worth of posts? So I know I can say I'm not a good planner. And if I set out a plan, it's never going to happen. So, um, and I probably shouldn't admit that, but it's true. So I am definitely, for me personally, my personal posts, it's fly by the seat of my pants. If there's something that I find that moves me or that I think is timely or that just, I think somebody, you know, what else would appreciate or have a takeaway from, then I'll, I'll put it up there. As far as a company goes, there definitely needs to be a better plan, which is exactly why I had somebody else in, in the past company, a past company do the posts because um, I knew I wouldn't. Um, a lot of companies have a team specific for social media posts. It's easier said than done though, isn't it? Planning yeah. because we've been trying to do that for years and you know, small staff, and I don't know about your organizations, but in our case, there's one person who, mostly one person who does this, along with the 19 other things that person's responsible for. So as much as we'd like to plan, sometimes it doesn't go as, uh, as well as we planned. One thing I could tell you we do is we, we do meet weekly to kind of discuss what is the story. And again, we're fortunate because our business is it can, the phone can ring right now and our, everything changes. So our story changes. And that's a bit of a luxury in terms of, you know, having content to push out there because we always have something new. Um, but we meet and we look at the schedule and that's part of our story. And then we, you know, we develop it as we go. Um, but we, if we sign up for an event, let's just say we sign up tomorrow for an event in June of 2021, that can go right, that can be posted to the Facebook page now. Like in June, we're going to be at this event. So I think if once people wrap their head around that they want to do this, you know, just take your activity and, and share it. And, you know, we've CAI, Tony, if you think about the schedule for the year, all that could go right to the Facebook page now, anything that's planned. Um, it, I think it gets easier, but it's a mindset, you know, that you have to shift to. And, uh, but for us, we do have a full-time person that it's a collaborative effort, but we do have Becca who pretty much plans and, and hits the button when it's time. I'm curious, do any of you do uh, social media advertising? I, I actually do for my, uh, so as a little side note, I do have a, a family business and for the family business, I use uh, Facebook ads. I find that it gets out to the locations that I'm looking to advertise to at a much more reasonable rate than other advertising would. So you're, you're doing geo-based advertising? For, yes, for my personal business. Right, okay. Do, Anne, Sean, do you do any social media advertising? Uh, for us, we do some on Facebook, but that's really it. 
as far as social media is concerned. And we do some, we do Facebook, not necessarily Facebook ads, but we'll do a post and then we'll boost it. So we, you can go, you can drill that down to a demographic or to, a, you know, a certain trade or whatever you want to reach. So we'll, we do that every weekend. Uh, we use the weekends for that activity, but every weekend we set up a post and we boost it for the weekend. And you can set your budget and you can set your destination. I will say um, when it comes to social media advertising, the CAI, we do it on LinkedIn primarily. And we've built quite a following on LinkedIn. We have about 1,400 followers. Um, and we'll either advertise to followers of the page or followers and like that similar, similar profiles. So profiles that are similar to people who like the page. And sometimes those audiences get huge. But it's very, it's in terms of pricing, it's extremely reasonably priced to do digital advertising. You know, if you compare that with, we used to do KYW radio advertising for the conference and we did some newspaper advertising. And I, I you know, it's, it's obviously hurting newspapers and hurting radio stations, but digital advertising, um, whether it's on social media or some other digital platform is really, it's almost dirt cheap. It gives you a lot of control too. So you can choose how much you wanna spend per day per um, ad campaign, which zip codes you'd like to target, which age ranges, which male or female. It really, it allows you that, that control as opposed to it just being like, here's your blanket amount and we're gonna run this for 15 seconds. And you know, you hope that you catch a couple of years. Another thing you can do, Tony, or we that we've found some success with is when you do those, whether it's the ad or I'm talking specifically for the business Facebook accounts, if we do a post and we boost it, you're hoping that you get people engaged, that you see people like it. And once they like it, you can then see if they liked your page already. In a lot of cases, they haven't. So you invite them to your page. So on a Monday, we usually have, you know, a pretty, hopefully a pretty good pool of people that have seen what we did and maybe liked it. And then we invite them to like the page and that's how you can start you know, getting a more consistent following and it, it works pretty well. Have any of you experimented at all with live streaming? We have not. No, me neither. I think the only thing that we did do any live streaming of was actually CAI when uh, we were at the Covenant House Sleepout. We did a couple of live Facebook posts. Right. I remember um, that. Which was fun. It allowed people to be to be there with us, even though they weren't there with us, but to be able to see what's going on real time. I have not used it professionally as of yet. We do some of it, Tony and Nicole and Ann, but we, I think it's something we can all do more. Um, we kind of push the, be like if we're at a live event, I know this obviously this year is different, but um, you know, if you're at a live event, it's a great place to get something out there in, in the real, in the moment. So we could probably be more efficient when we're at those events and if it's a single person, it's harder to do. But if we have two people at an event, we do at that point, then we think we should, we should be more active in the moment. So it's a great thing if you can pull it off. So during the trade show we had, the virtual trade show we had back in September, um, Surf Pro, you guys did something really unique in your virtual booth. You had uh, in your Zoom room, you had, um, I think you called it SPTV, Surf Pro TV. And you know, at one point I popped in and I think Vadim was doing a, a tour of one of your warehouse facilities with your equipment. And at another point, uh, uh, I believe it was Robin was doing uh, a talk as if it was a news story on, on an educational topic that's related to your business. 
Um, and that struck me as something that you could do, that that could be a live stream, that that might attract people to your page. Obviously, it's a, it would have to be a topic that's of, of interest to them, but that was a very creative setup. And I think something that is very easily transferred to social media because everything, you know, today, everything's video, it's visual, it's images and video, people aren't reading anymore. Um, so that I think, Sean, that in particular, was something that stood out to me from our virtual trade show and, and uh, was very creative. And I know that would, like I think of Ann's business, I know that would captivate me if I saw, you know, a video of a roofing project, you know, maybe there's a drone flying over it or something, I would absolutely see that and I'd be fully engaged. Little bit more difficult probably for nick with the bank because you know what i mean i don't know what you do but for a service company we have some advantages that you know i think we could take advantage of um let me ask you about uh you know one of the things we're talking about is engagement on social media which means liking and commenting and i think more so this year probably than ever a lot of the engagement on social media has been negative overwhelmingly negative because of obvious reasons, the, the, the pandemic, people are stuck at home, they're grouchy for obvious reasons. There was an election that was very divisive for the country. Have any of you had a situation like that where you had uh, someone comment on your post or share a post and it was just a really negative reaction and how did you handle it? Um, well, for me, Tony, I can tell you that I am very careful. Um, I stay away from all of that. Um, and even if it's someone that I know that, that has a post uh, about specifically about the pandemic um, or, or the election, uh, I really don't like or comment because you just never know how that chord is going to be struck with someone uh, because everybody has such strong emotions one way or the other. So we are very careful and I myself uh, just about not just staying neutral and, and not not touching it at all. I did have an instance where somebody took a comment, uh, took a post that we did and, and made a comment that actually reflected very bad. It read badly is how, is how I should say it. it. I don't think it was intended the way that it was written. And I deleted the message and I reached out to the person privately and I said, I, I appreciate where you were coming from and, but I can't actually leave that message out there. And if you want to discuss it further, I'm happy to have a private conversation. I feel that LinkedIn is a very professional platform and should be left that way and that personal opinions, unless you're asking a question that's based off of like your, your personal advancement or um, you know, mentors or something that's going to make you evoke emotion, but anything that's controversial should really be left, especially in LinkedIn. And we're, uh, we're as careful, we're, like Ann mentioned, we're really careful. We've had negative things, mostly on Facebook, and quite honestly, a lot of times they're not even accurate. One disadvantage we have is we are a franchise system, which is a great thing, but, you know, we, one negative comment we had was from a customer in Michigan that, you know, obviously was not our customer, but it showed up on our profile and we couldn't make it go away. Um, but again, you know, things are going to happen like that. And we just, well, our effort is focused on, you know, get more positives because you are going to have some negative things out there. So you've got to try to bury them <laughs> with the positive things and, you know, challenge them if you can, but it's a lot of times it's hard to get those things removed. And to watch the knee jerk reactions. 
when it comes through, you may have an instance where you're like, where does this person get the right to say this or whatever the case is, but you got you have to hold back and handle it professionally because it's ultimately going to reflect worse on you if you respond back. I agree. Waiting and, mm -hmm. and uh, not doing the instant response that you're going to regret 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's a skill that some of us have to develop. <laughs> Some of our, uh, some of the negative comments have come on the heels of maybe a disgruntled employee leaving and they, you know, those things show up too, so. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard too, because, you know, sometimes it's all a matter of interpretation. So, you know, one of us may write something and it means one thing to us and we think we're being very uh, precise in what we're writing, but then someone else reads it and interprets it completely different. Mm -hmm. than than what it's meant um so i just yeah i think you have to be very careful uh choose your words carefully and think about how it can be interpreted in in every direction and it's unfortunate but uh i think that you know people are just so laser fo focused right now on on words uh that you have to be really careful and people are just overly critical we i had a conversation with sean one day about a post that we saw that was, uh, and Sean, you might have to fill in the blanks here, and Tony, you might totally edit this out, but, but it was really interesting that it was a LinkedIn post that was by a major corporation, and it had a flag on, and somebody didn't like the image of the flag. It's just the way that the flag was portrayed, and this person made a comment that was, you knew where he was coming from, but it was incredibly controversial, borderline hypocritical, and it was it just is, it's a, it's a bad message that you're sending. So the knee-jerk reaction to respond to other people, but also that knee-jerk reaction to respond to Sometimes it's better just to close out social media and walk away from it for the day. But sometimes, uh, you know, we'll see stuff that might just rub us the wrong way, but you just have to, to look past it. Yeah, I agree, especially on LinkedIn. I mean, Facebook's different, I think, because Facebook mostly is, you know, people post their personal stuff, photos, recipes, et cetera. But LinkedIn, I mean, that's where we spend most of our time on LinkedIn, because that's where our, I think our professional audience is. And, you know, I'll be scrolling through LinkedIn and I see something that's either political or, you know, addressing some issue of the day. And, and then I start to look at the comments and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to back away and just keep scrolling because I agree on LinkedIn. I mean, that's not what I'm looking for on LinkedIn. So yeah. I think um, I think I do think LinkedIn is a little different. Twitter's a whole different story. I think Twitter personally is a cesspool. I might have to edit that out later too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. The different platforms definitely all have different purposes, right? So LinkedIn, I always look at it professional. Then you have Facebook, that's a little bit more personal, but where you can cross the line of professional. I I to full disclosure, I I think I have Twitter somewhere on my phone because I get <laughs> notifications, but I have no idea how to. I actually, I don't know how to. Um, I send so, out tweets as you all the time, Nick. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense. And they're not good. <laughs> That's why your phone is beeping all the time. That's right. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of new, well, they're not so new anymore, I guess, but new, newer, you know, the, I guess the big three were Twitter, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn. And now you've got uh, TikTok and Snapchat and I don't even know half them, but the, I, I don't even, I've never been on TikTok and I've never been on Snapchat. Do, it, do any of you use anything other than the Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn that we're all on every day? I couldn't tell you 
what they are. I know we use Instagram. I think we use Snapchat, but I got it. I've never, you know, I don't have that on my phone. I don't have it on my system and I don't personally use it, but I know, um, you know, Becca specifically targets that stuff and has a handle on it. For us, it's primarily LinkedIn and Facebook. And the Facebook business is, you know, again, completely separate, you know, Facebook, everybody thinks of the personal accounts, but we have the business accounts and that's where you are going to probably reach more homeowners. And again, they could be, you know, there's, there's, we ran into one guy online and we just found out that he was kind of like a, a serial uh, complainer. You know, it wasn't just our company. He was on Yelp and just blasting every company, you know, that he could find. So hey, everybody, everybody needs a hobby. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and if I could add just on the heels of all that we just touched on, just, I know a lot of us are focused on the same, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook are always going to be, um, you know, the popular ones, but a lot of people miss the directory sites and they're free and there's a lot of them and people go to their phone and they might search for, you know, flood damage. They might search for a bank. They might any service product out there, roofing, it doesn't matter. They might search for it and it might be on Yelp or it might be on, um, you know, Google and to not have a listing out there, which is free is a mistake have it out there and then build some frequency internally that when you do a post on Facebook, just send it over there too. And there are some products that can house that for you. So you can go to uh, Hootsuite, Hootsuite, I think it is. And Hootsuite, yeah. there's another product we have, I forget what it is, but yeah, you can just, you can schedule that out. So I think people sometimes shy away from this because it's like, oh, it's so big. I got to take it on. But once you get the base settled and if you do the big ones, the Bing, the Yelp, the Google, and you just send that out at least once a week. It's 52 posts this year that you know you're going to hit no matter what. And then if you do more, great. But directories are kind of a, I think people just miss the boat on them or they think it's like automatic and it's not necessarily. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because we started to beef up our Google Google My Business page or account, whatever you want to call it, when, uh, when Gabby started back in January um, because she knew how to do it and I didn't. <laughs> I just had no idea what it was. And we now do get regular traffic from from the Google, our, our Google listing to our website. Um, so there's definitely, you know, something to that. You should you should definitely look at those. I don't know that we're on Bing or uh, Yelp, but we're definitely on Google My Business. And there's, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this kind of stuff. And I'm not an expert by any stretch, but I have taken a good bit of training and stuff on it. And that stuff starts to work together either for you or against you, meaning if you have all your information correct on Google My Business, but Yelp has like some directory thing that you had from 10 years ago, that will impact your Google. So if somebody's searching for you, if all that information is not cohesive across all the platforms, it's not working as well as it can for you. We just learned that lesson two weeks ago. Um, our, our website security certificate was expiring and I won't go into the whole backstory as to why it expired and, and the arguments that I had with our website company. Um, but in the process of getting all of that fixed and getting the new security certificate, um, the, the, secu the company that was issuing the security certificate was trying to verify our location and our business address because they wouldn't accept the occupancy permit that was issued by our local government for our office. They were relying on Google My Business our Google listing didn't have the full organization name, you know, Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter Community Associations Institute. So it just says Community Associations Institute. 
that caused a multi-hour delay in getting the new security certificate because it didn't match the official name of the organization which the security certificate was in. So Sean makes a very good point for everybody listening to this podcast. Make sure you're, if you're on those directory sites, make sure it is consistent and accurate down to the proper spelling and the, and the actual proper legal name of your organization. We learned the hard way. And keep in mind the frequency matters there too. So as you engage with those directories, again, I suggest once a week, because if you do that, it's not that difficult. And if you're already doing a Facebook or LinkedIn, just push it over to the other stuff, the directories. Um, but as you do that, your search results, specifically with Google, along with everything else, but Google, let's face it, Google drives everything. You'll be more easily found if you're cohesive and then regular with activity. That's the thing. If you're going to do social media, no matter what, Google My Business, no matter what it is, you can't do it just once, just two times sporadic and expect to get the result that you're looking to get out of it. Um, some of the most successful people that we see on social media post a few times a day. We uh, A bunch of us follow Gary V. Um, he is on there all the time, short little blurbs. And every time it's something that's valuable and something that's encouraging and, and engaging and he gets responses and he gets shares and follows. And, you know, it's just an example that if you're going to do it and you want to see results from it, then you have to actually truly try to engage the, with the audience. Otherwise it's just, a, it could potentially just be a waste of your time. To Nicole's point too, you don't even necessarily have to post something you could just like something or share something, um, but as long as you are being active. And I would just say to anyone listening, there is a definite learning curve if you've never done it before. Mm -hmm. And you really shouldn't be discouraged. Um, the more that you keep at it, the, the, um, you'll, you'll have more followers and the more engaged your audience will be. Um, so I just think it's, it's something that, you know, you have to be a little patient with um, and, and give it time. But I think, again, collectively, anyone in the chapter that may be listening to this, we can all help each other tremendously by, by sharing posts and liking and commenting and, and things like that. So we have a really terrific opportunity um, to really expand our business and bring some brand awareness uh, to, to everyone. I think that sums up uh, nicely this whole podcast. And as, as Sean said at the outset, it all comes down to those five bullet points, be engaged, be active, be visible, tell your story and build your reputation. I think this was a great uh, episode. I think our listeners will enjoy this. Any, any final closing thoughts anybody wants to add? I will add training with most of the things we just discussed. And I'll just use Google My Business again as the, uh, as, you know, the example, but there is training out there and it's free. So highly encourage people to take full advantage of free training. There's a ton of it out there. I would actually be curious to hear uh, everybody else's take on the balance between professional posts and not necessarily fluff, not personal posts, but more fluffy posts. So those companies that are out there that are, let me rephrase that, finding the right balance in the diversity of your posts for your company. If you're constantly, or your organization, if you're constantly posting the same thing, people are going to stop paying attention. So you have to be diverse. Do you want to introduce your staff? And if you do, how personal do you get with your staff? If you want to 
um, do the philanthropic things that you're doing? How do you promote those without seeming self-serving? If you want to talk about your products, how do you do that without being salesy? Like, what is the balance? How do you, and I guess that plays into the telling your story. How do you comfortably tell your story on your social media platforms? I think um, that's a really good point, Nicole. And I think, uh, I think you can do it by not being boastful about it. You know, maybe you can create a post that says, um, this is something that we're doing or we have tried. Um, try to make it more of a question, uh, maybe. Um, we have recently tried this or we had this recent experience. Has anyone had this same experience? And maybe try to, to do it, you know, like that. Or um, for instance, um, in November, we did a food drive for um, a local organization. And when we talked about it, we talked about it globally. We didn't just like, you know, keep it to, to our neighborhood per se. We talked about it on a, a global basis about food insecurity and how it affects everyone. Um, so I think that there are ways that you can do it. it you know, it wasn't benefiting us. It was, it was benefiting our community and everyone outside by bringing awareness to this issue right now, especially uh, for children, right? A lot of kids are home from school. They depend on the meal at school. It might be their only meal. Um, and some people don't, you know, they just haven't thought about that, um, but, it's, but it's real and it's happening. So um, I think that, I think you can do it. I, again, I think it's just a matter of choosing your words carefully and, and just thinking about that, but there is a definite balance. Yeah, and I think to address that also from our point of view, from CAI's point of view, you know, we we were constantly posting things about upcoming events, you know, register for this program, come to this networking event, attend this webinar. And I would say for the last maybe four to five years or so, we've been focused on content on our website. And that's what we're trying to post to social media. We still post about the events and we still post photos, but this podcast, when we finish this and we release it, this will be posted on our website and then we'll share it on LinkedIn and we'll tag all of you. Blog posts that are educational in nature, they're not just selling something, um, but the educational nature of the podcast could be talking about a product uh, or a service that someone can buy. Videos, we're, we're trying to do some more videos on the website member again from our point of view member content so white papers and and top 10 lists and any kind of educational content that we can put on the website and make available to members and then share on social media um, and those are some things that we're we're offering as a sponsorship opportunity for our business partners and management companies so it's actually something that would generate revenue for us so we do we have podcasts commercials um, so it's also a way to generate revenue for, for an organization, as opposed to just, you know, here's our next seminar, click here to register. That makes it more interesting for the people who are following us on our social page, social pages, and it helps us get our message out. Well, this was a really great session, a lot of great material here. I want to thank each of you, Nicole Scarrow with CIT Bank, Sean McCabe with Pro of Upper Bucks, and Anne Yanarella with National Contractors. Uh, thank you for joining me. And for more information on managing and governing your condominium, homeowners association, or cooperative, please visit CAI's website at www.cai-padelval.org. And thank you for listening.